The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. So let me ask you this. What if the very thing that you believe disqualifies you is the very thing that God will use to uniquely qualify you in His service? Join best-selling author and speaker Sheila Walsh as she spends Wednesdays in the Word, learning to let God make us strong when we are at our weakest. Next on Life Today. I'm Sheila Walsh. Welcome to Wednesdays and the Word. I was recently with a group of women um, on the East Coast, and they were saying to me, um, do you ever read Proverbs 31? And I said, yeah, sure, sometimes. And they were like, we just think it's ridiculous. That's, I mean, who can live up to that standard? But in actual fact, there's so much spiritual wisdom and depth in this, if you just kind of take it verse by verse and ask the Spirit to help you understand. And one verse in particular I want us to look at today. So recently, after I got back from that trip, I was reading through it again, and I found myself parking on verse 25, and it says this, she's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Another translation says this way, she's clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. Well, there's all sorts of different ways that we laugh, different things that make us laugh. I mean, think about it, it's hard to watch television these days and not want to laugh or cry. I saw a thing the other night when I couldn't sleep, I was jet lagged and it said, drink this juice and you'll lose 20 pounds in five days. And I'm thinking, yeah, if I cut my right leg off, and then there was another one. It was like, this cream will take 20 years off your face. More like 40 bucks out your wallet. Well, I found an article from a home economics book from 1950. And I just wanted to read, and it's like, tips to look after your husband. This is before he comes home from work. Take 15 minutes to rest so you'll be refreshed when he arrives. Touch up your makeup, put a ribbon in your hair, and be fresh looking. He was just been with a lot of work-weary people, so be a little gay and a little more interesting. His boring day may need a lift. But then when it comes to preparing your children before he comes home, take a few minutes to wash the little darling's faces and hands if they're small. Comb their hair, and if necessary, Change their clothes. They are little treasures, and he would like to see them playing the part. And then this final one, which I just thought, oh, you must be kidding. Minimize all noise. At the time of his arrival, eliminate all noise of washer, dryer, dishwasher, or vacuum. Try to encourage the children to, to be quiet. Be happy to see him. Greet him with a warm smile and make sure the children are quietly smiling. <laughs> I mean, some of it's great, you know. I mean, you want to honor your husband and make your home a place of peace. But the bottom line for me is we're not going to find out what kind of woman 
that we, God wants us to be from a home economics book. Where we're going to find that is from the infallible, unchangeable, trustworthy, rock-solid truth of God's word. Our nation seems at the moment to be in a place of a lot of anger and division. You know, social media has given people an anonymous place to tear everyone apart who doesn't agree with their opinion. But as God's children, we are called to live differently. Remember what it says in Peter's first letter, 1 Peter 3, 15 says this, one of my favorite verses, you'll probably know this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Two things there. Live a life that demands an explanation. We should be living in such a way that people realize we're different. We don't get mad at the things that some people get mad about. We don't just, you know, shoot off our mouths to anything, but there's something different about us, how we respond. So that then people would want to know, well, why is it that you're so different? And then with gentleness and respect, we have an opportunity to share our faith. It's not a call to beat people up with the Bible, but to really share in a very broken, hurting world, the answer to what every single one of us is looking for. I think there's never been a better day to shine the light of Christ in a dark, dark place than right now. But back to the verse, how do we become that woman or that man clothed with strength and dignity that we can laugh at the days to come without fear of the future. The text is marked by three specific things. Describes this woman as strong, has dignity, and is fearless. I have to tell you, growing up, I was the absolute antithesis of every one of those things. I didn't feel strong, I felt weak. I didn't have dignity. I felt like I was covered in shame. And I didn't live a fearless life. I was filled with fear. You know, even to the extent that when I was a teenager and the telephone would ring, my heart immediately started beating. And I, I mean, why? I hadn't done anything wrong. I wasn't waiting to be found out. But just everything that happened filled me with fear. Well, I want you to know, if God can change my life, he can change yours too. So let, let's look at the first thing. She's clothed with strength. She's strong. What does it actually mean biblically as a believer to be strong? You know, in our culture, it's often equated with being loud or outspoken or self-reliant. But when I was a young girl, I thought being strong meant I didn't need anybody else to survive. After my dad's suicide when I was five, we didn't ever talk about what had happened. We just never mentioned it. We moved on as if life was normal. But one night, I got up to use the restroom. I was about 11 years old. And I saw that my mom's light was on under her bedroom door. And I was going to go in, but something stopped me. And I heard my mom sobbing into her pillow. I'd never seen my mom cry. And instinctively, I knew she didn't want me to come in. So I sat on the other side of her bedroom door 
and I cried too. So the lesson I took for that, although my mother would never have meant for me to do this, the lesson I took was being strong means you cry alone. You hide your pain. You don't need anybody else. What about you? Think about your life right now. What does being strong look like for you? Maybe you'd say, well, I'm the one that's holding the family together. I got a note from a woman last night saying, my marriage is a sham, but I'm putting on a brave face for those around me. I want to be strong. Someone else wrote, I struggle with depression, anxiety, but I don't want to tell anyone because I don't want to seem weak. What does God's word say about strength? Well, you know these beautiful verses from Isaiah chapter 40, 28 through 31. I, I learned these as a little girl. This is one translation. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depth of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find their strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I love how the English Standard Version translates verse 31. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. I love that idea of those who wait on the Lord. I was in a conference not so long ago with my darling friend, Darlene Check from Australia, and she was teaching on this passage. And she said, you know, there's two different ways of waiting. You can wait kind of with the arms folded, like tapping your fingers, like, come on, Lord, come on, Lord. But she said another way is like leaning in. It's like waiting, anticipation and trust, just waiting to see what God's gonna do. Well, as we dig deeper into God's words, we get a, an even clearer picture of what that kind of strength looks like. Do you remember Paul talking about his thorn in the flesh? This is what he said. He said, three different times I begged, and it's a strong word used there in the Greek, I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. The apostle describes this thorn in the flesh as a messenger of Satan to buffet him. In one sense, it represented an effort on Satan's part to hinder Paul in the work of the Lord. Have you ever wondered, you know, what's your thorn in the flesh? I have a very dear friend who is clearly gifted and anointed by God for leadership but struggles with a stutter. And we've talked about this. It's like, I can't do this. I, I can't go on and speak publicly. You know, I've been asked to do things, but it's like, I can't because I'm gonna stutter. It's gonna be terrible. It's gonna be embarrassing. But I've watched 
as that person who I love dearly has waited on the Lord and gained strength from understanding that it's in our weakness that we discover the strength of Christ. They've gone on to discover the very thing that Paul discovered. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So let me ask you this. What if the very thing that you believe disqualifies you is the very thing that God will use to uniquely qualify you in his service? There's something beautiful when we offer what we perceive as our brokenness to Christ and see him pour his love and grace through it. I know this, that weakness in God's hands becomes strength. Well, the writer goes on to say that she's clothed in strength and dignity. What is dignity? You know, dignity is a deep internal sense of worth. It doesn't come from external things. It doesn't come from having a great job and a nice house and a nice car. Dignity comes internally when we know who we are in Christ. I came across a book that I wrote in 1996 and I looked at the cover and I'm like, what was I thinking? Look at my hair. But what was interesting to me was I, I had forgotten that Johnny Erickson Tada actually wrote the foreword. And I read it again the other night. And she said, um, kind of paraphrasing, she said, the first time I met Sheila Walsh, we were both at a festival in Holland. We looked a little different. She said, I was in a skirt and a blouse and she was in leather pants with spiky hair. And, but what I saw in her was strength. She was strong. She had a clear voice and she was strong. And then she wrote, and then I heard like many of you that Sheila had been admitted to a psychiatric hospital. Sometime after that, Johnny actually invited me to come and speak to her staff. And it was such an honor. I love Johnny. She's just one of the most godly people I have ever met in my life. But what she went on to write in the foreword was, when I saw Sheila again, strong, it wasn't the word I would use. Now I would use the word gentle and broken. I actually like that. Broken is a good word when it's offered to Jesus. We can't walk in the dignity and grace that Christ wants for every one of his daughters if we're covered in shame. You know, the wounds of childhood are potent. I don't know what you've walked through. It could have been physical abuse, sexual abuse, or verbal abuse. In his incredible book, it's one of the best I've read on shame, it's called Shame and Grace. Lewis Smedes describes shame this way, I lugged around inside me a dead weight of not good enoughness. Have you ever felt that way? I'm just never going to be enough. I'm not going to be good enough. There is no dignity in shame. You know, you'll probably remember the first time the word is ever used at Genesis 3, 7. You know, with Adam and Eve, when they take the fruit they're not supposed to take. And in that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame. And they tried to cover themselves. Remember, they hid. And we've been doing it ever since. One of my friends years ago, and she's kind of a spiritual mentor to me, she said, okay, Sheila, let me ask, ask you this. Imagine 
that a movie was made of your life and nothing was left out. Everything you've ever said, everything you've ever done, the things you think, well, that's technically not a sin because I didn't do it, I just thought about it. But imagine that and it was put up for anyone to see, how would you feel? I didn't feel very good. And then she said, but here's the great news. And I want you to hear this too. God has seen your movie and loves you. If I could only ever share one thing in these programs, it would be this. God knows you, all of you, and he loves you. When you go on to this, she has no fear of the future. That's kind of a challenging part. You know, so many of us are, you know, anxiety and fear and stress. We're kind of at epidemic levels in our nation. And a couple of years ago, my life changed a little bit. I was coming home one day and I went to to open the refrigerator and suddenly I felt like literally somebody had stabbed me in the back. I could hardly move. And I thought, well, it's just a temporary thing, but it got worse and it got worse until eventually I was having a hard time walking. And I went to see a neurosurgeon and he said, yeah, um, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to do surgery. And it's not going to be an easy surgery. I, I can't make absolute guarantees. And I knew of other people who'd gone through surgery at that particular place in their spine and they'd struggled for years afterwards. But here's the deal. After 50 years of walking with Christ, I've learned this. He is trustworthy. So I'll never forget that day. I was... Um, I was all ready for surgery and the doctor came in and he said, um, I'm going to use another surgeon today. And I was like, wow, why is that? And he said, well, we're going to go in through the, f the back and remove one disc. And then we're going to go in through the front and remove another. So this surgeon is going to hold your organs. And I'm like, wow, please make a mental note of where they were. But as I'm being wheeled in, one of the nurses who was feeling me said to me, what are you, what are you singing? And I said, oh, just something I love. I surrender all. And honestly, because of the faithfulness of God, I was able to walk in there, well, wheel in there, absolutely confident. She laughs at the future, not because she's confident of who she is, but because she knows who God is. Whatever happens, whatever happens, we win. The greatest adventure in life is an open, all-in, passionate relationship with Christ. Give him your weakness. Drop that overcoat of shame. Trust God who loves you so much. He didn't want to live without you. And I'm going to ask you to help some people who need some help right now. Would you watch this? Here at Life Outreach, we constantly encounter heartbreaking need around the world. But there are times when we meet someone experiencing a depth of pain which stops us in our tracks. That's exactly what happened when we entered the home of Ing Torn, a mother who couldn't hold back her grief as she showed us the photo of her daughter who was recently taken by contaminated water. <laughs> The heart-wrenching cries of this mother overwhelmed us. Eventually, she explained their tragic situation.
Clean water. That's all it would take for this community to not only survive, but begin to thrive. Thanks to you, we were able to provide exactly that. I do it every day, and I don't even think about it. I pour myself a glass of water. I don't know how many times a day I do it. And it doesn't, I don't even think, oh, this is great. I just think this is, this is what we do, this is life. To think that so many mothers, fathers, grandparents, in other countries around the world cannot simply give their children a glass of clean water. I've walked with these moms. I've been in so many of the countries that we're working in. And I've walked sometimes for a mile with a mom and her little ones. And when I found what their water source is, I was horrified. I mean, there were animals in the same water. The water was filthy. And yet so many mothers say, well, what choice do I have? I give them this water or I give them no water. Now, it used to be a long time ago, these things would go on and we had no idea, but life has changed. Now we know, and I believe as a Christian that we are accountable for what we know. Once you've seen something, once you've seen a need, you cannot look away. Our goal this year, and this is our last week, our goal is to put 400 wells in 15 nations. Now that might sound like a lot, but we can do it if we all gather together, if we all do our part. Like, let me give you an example. If you can send $48, do you know that that will give 10 people, not a glass of water, it will give them water for the rest of their life. Some of you can do a little bit more. If you can do like $144, that will give 30 people water for the rest of their life. That's why we call it water for life, because when we put a well in a village, it will last like 70 years. Now, some of you would be able to do more. God has blessed you. And do you know, if you could give $4,800, that would do a complete well. We are still a little short of our goal. We desperately want to put those 400 wells in these nations. I want to go back to these villages and instead of seeing a mother's tears of grief, see a mother's tears of absolute joy that God has answered her prayer. So please, this is our last week. Will you stand with us? Will you go to your phone and make the best gift possible? If you don't have a lot, give what you have. If you have a lot, give out of your abundance. But if you and I do something, we can change the world. And then those mothers will not have to bury one more child 
because they couldn't give them clean water. Let's change that. Let's change that in Jesus' name. Today, a mother living in extreme poverty will do the unthinkable. Give her children dirty, disease-filled water that she knows could kill them. With no other choice, what's a mother to do? With your help, clean water is on the way. Mission Water for Life provides a new beginning for thousands of children and their families, a bright future with better health. With your gift today, you can help drill 400 water wells in remote villages in 15 nations. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five people. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10. $72 will provide for 15 people. And $144 will help provide life-giving water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, we'll send you the miracles of Christ, what living beyond impossible looks like. Filled with scriptures, prayers, and stories of Jesus' miraculous power, James Robison adds insight about how to walk in faith and live beyond the impossible. With your gift of $100 or more, request the morning and evening coffee mug set. Each mug features beautiful artwork and scripture from Psalm 92.2, a wonderful reminder of God's faithfulness each day. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well. And you may request the beautiful Bridge of Faith framed canvas print by Thomas Kincaid. This is the last week. Please call, write, or make your gift online. This mother has four children. Last summer, a year ago, they had an outbreak of intestinal disease from contaminated water. Two of her children got very, very sick. Now she's got a little baby, just a few months old, and this baby is living on her mother's milk. This baby's nursing. But Betty, pretty soon, this little baby's gonna be drinking that water. And oftentimes, it takes their lives. It really does, James, and, and they can't do anything about it because it's all the water that they have. I just can't even imagine. This little baby is so precious, so beautiful, her mama, just cuddling her and taking care of her, and she makes little sounds of life. But you know, I don't know how long those little sounds of life will be if we don't do something to help them. We can make the difference by doing the water wells and giving them a fresh cup of water. I'd like you to be one of the hands to reach out and dial the telephone number and take your bank card, use it like a check or write a check and make it to life and say, I want to give life to children like this and keep them healthy. This is our last week. We so desperately want to put those 400 wells in for so many people who are trusting us. You know, I've come home and they've said, please ask your people to help us. So we can do this. We can do this if we all do it together. And for any gift at all, we're going to send you this great little book. And it's beautiful, too. It's called The Miracles of Christ. And I think it will really build you up in your own faith. Somehow when we see what God is doing and what he's continuing to do, Something in us just says, you know what, Lord, I want to join in that. And we do that when we reach out with the love of Christ to those who need our help. So I'm Sheila Walsh, and I just want to say thank you so much for joining me on Wednesdays in the Word.
Well, how do you share the gospel in 2018? Well, you use the internet. Engaging young adults through exploregod.com tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.